So defining postmodernism in just a few words is not really a very easy thing to do. As a matter of fact, uh, a philosophy website uh, that uh, I consulted had this to say about postmodernism. Postmodernism is difficult to define because to define it would violate the postmodernist premise that no definite terms, boundaries, or absolute truths exist. Now, try to wrap your brain around that for just a moment. Postmodernism is a philosophy that postmodernists will tell you is very difficult, if not impossible, to accurately define because one of the basic tenets of the postmodernist belief system is that there are no such thing as absolute truths. And therein lies the focus of our study today. This idea has very heavily influenced academia, pop culture, and in some instances the church. The idea is that truth is elusive, that truth is at best hazy, blurry. And because of that, it means that you really can't be certain about really anything. And so that would include the existence of God, for example. Postmodernists will tell you, you know what? If there is a God, there's really no way to know whether or not He exists. It affects uh, one's view of the deity of Christ. Can't really know whether or not Jesus was who He claimed to be. It affects one's view of the Bible, whether or not it's inspired the identity of the church, uh, eternity, right and wrong, morality. <clears throat> the postmodernist doesn't believe that there are absolute standards of right and wrong. And this is the culture in which we live. Postmodernism is very convenient in a way. Because if you adopt the postmodernist philosophy, then you really never have to engage in a critical examination of any belief system. It saves you from that process. You don't really have to, to assess what you hear from someone, a truth claim that someone makes. You don't really have to assess that, really worry about it, because you're looking at it from the standpoint of, well, we don't know what's true anyway. There's no way to know what's true and what's false, and so I don't really need to go into an analysis of what that person's saying because what's the use? If that's what they believe, if that's their truth, then I'll let them believe that. My truth may be different. But there's no need to engage in any kind of assessment. So it's a convenient belief system. But our question this morning is, is it right? Is it a right belief system? Now, the postmodernists won't even like that question. But it's a valid question, and we'll show that it is. Must we stumble through life not knowing anything for certain? Not having any kind of absolute truth to which we can anchor ourselves and by which we can assess life and direct our steps? 
Each year we have kind of an overall theme for our teaching process here at Graber Road. For 2015, it was striving together for the faith of the gospel. We had a lot of lessons that dealt with that, our working together to promote God's truth. In 2016, our theme is this. This I know. Subtitled, if you will, Certainty in an Age of Doubt. We live in a culture that does not like the concept of truth. And we'll say you really can't know things for certain. And we get so bombarded with that from every side. It's good for us. It's right for us. And I hope it will be very helpful to us throughout this year that we focus on things that we can know. Truths that we can anchor ourselves to that will enable us to withstand the storms of life and will give us a standard by which we can direct our steps. And so we're going to periodically, and my plan is, the Lord willing, the first Sunday of each month, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that specifically affirms something that we know. There are a lot of passages, more than we have time to cover, but a lot of passages in Scripture where the inspired writer will say, I know this. And I know that. We're going to take a look at some of those throughout the year. Those aren't going to be the only passages we look at uh, and, and sermons that we have that address this general theme, but we're going to try to do it periodically throughout the year. And the first lesson this morning is this. The truth about the truth. This is kind of an introductory lesson. We're not going to look at a specific passage. We'll look at several that talk about the concept of truth. What is the truth about the truth? So let me offer you these thoughts for your consideration today. Number one, the truth is objective. Truth is objective. Now to say that something is true is to say that it describes correctly reality. Someone would ask you to define, what does the word true mean? Or if a statement is true, what does that mean? Well, it means that that statement correctly describes reality. And to say that truth is objective is really somewhat redundant, but I understand the principle. To say that truth is objective is to say that truth ultimately comes from a source that is outside of and really above human beings. If boundaries of truth were set arbitrarily by us, then truth would be subjective. It would change from person to person. And so the postmodernists claim that, well, one person can have their truth and another person can have their truth would make sense if truth were subjective by nature. Let me give you an example of of, uh, how we can apply this principle. If truth was subjective... If it changed from individual to individual or from group to group, then we would have no basis upon which to condemn the actions of ISIS and other Islamic terrorists. If truth is subjective. In other words, if it's all right for one individual or one group to have their truth, and it is just as valid and just as right as anybody else's truth, then to say that those terrorists who do those unspeakable things to people, 
to claim that they are objectively wrong in what they do would be in itself a wrong statement. Because if truth is subjective, what are they following? Well, they're following what they believe to be true. And if truth changes from person to person, and if it's subjective, and if it's determined by individuals, then we have no basis as an individual to look at another individual and say, you are objectively wrong. Because what would their response be? Well, who are you? That may be your truth. You don't have to live by what I believe and teach and practice. But I can have my own truth. And there is nobody or nothing above me to assess my behavior and determine whether or not it is objectively right or wrong. That's what you have when you adopt the, the position that truth is subjective. There are moral, absolute rights and wrongs that come from a source higher than any one person or group. Let me give you another example from history. In the aftermath of the Second World War, when certain uh, Nazi leaders were being put on trial at uh, Nuremberg, their basic argument in defense of themselves was this. They said, you, and by you they meant uh, the, the, the Allied powers, the Americans, the British, the Russians, you have no basis upon which to condemn our actions. They said, number one, we are not subject to American law. We're not Americans. We're not subject to British law. We're not English. We're not subject to Russian law. We're not Russians. We were subject only to German law because we're Germans. And we were only doing what our law said that we were to do. We were being obedient to our law. And so you have no basis upon which to judge us. You don't have any basis upon which to condemn our actions. And they even added to that, we don't even recognize international law. So you, don't, you can't judge us on the basis of international law because we don't consider ourselves subject to international law. So you have no basis upon which to even have this trial and to condemn our actions. I love the statement that was made by prosecutor Robert Jackson, who was at the time uh, a Supreme Court Justice of the United States, and he was, he was one of the lead prosecutors at Nuremberg. He said this in response to that argument. He said, you are being judged on the basis of a law that transcends the provincial and the transient. Here's what he meant by that. He said, you're being judged based upon a law that goes beyond any geographic location, provincial, and any period of time, transient. His argument was, there is no place on this planet where you could go where what you did could ever be considered right morally. And there is no period of time in history where you could have lived in which what you did could have been considered morally right. There is a law that goes beyond any political boundary and that goes beyond any period of time. A moral law, and you're being judged on the basis of that law. His point was, there is objective truth that doesn't change from person to person, that doesn't change from group to group. There is a law above any law that human beings can come up with. 
and that human beings really should recognize that when they enact their own laws. But there's a law above us. But if there is no being above us, whence comes the law that's above us? So when we accept the fact that truth is objective, we are by that acceptance accepting also the fact that there is a lawgiver. But you don't have a law without a lawgiver. And if there's a law above us, there is a giver of the law above us. That's why there are moral rights and wrongs that don't change, that exist, and that our consciences as human beings are forced to accept. I want to focus this morning just briefly on what the Bible says about truth. Because I'm addressing Bible believers here. We were talking to postmodernists who were atheists. We might start in a different place. But I want for us to be careful that we not allow postmodern thoughts and ideas to creep into our thinking as believers in God and believers in His Word. So what does the Bible say about truth? What is the truth about the truth? Well, first of all, truth comes ultimately from God. He is the God of truth. Psalm 31, verse 5. Deuteronomy 32, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. John 14, verse 6. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13. And so ultimately, truth comes from deity. Truth comes from the divine. In Proverbs 1, verse 7, the Bible says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Real knowledge the real grasping of truth begins with a proper respect for God. Someone has said all truth is God's truth. And I think that's a true statement because truth comes from Him. It comes from His nature, His essence, His being. But when we give up on God, then we give up on the very basis for all truth. doesn't mean that we may not discover some in the process of learning but we might end up, as Paul referred in 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, as being one of those who is ever learning, yet ever, never able, coming, able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Ever learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. God is the basis of truth. And so when we say truth is objective, we mean that truth doesn't change from person to person, from generation to generation. It is constant and it is unalterable. Truth is objective. And anyone who says that truth is subjective, I'm convinced they don't really believe that. I believe they can be pushed, forced, if you will, to ultimately embrace the fact that, yes, there are objective truths. Truth is subjective to a lot of people until an inconvenient one affects them. If you were to go to the postmodernists and say, well, you don't believe there are any absolute truths, you know, whatever anybody believes, that's fine, you know, your truth, my truth, all of that. Well, here's what my truth says. My truth says that I am obligated to crack you over the head with a baseball bat and take all your possessions. Would you say that would be wrong for me to do? Well, yes, you can't do that. Well, 
that's what you say. <laughs> you know, what do you know? That's your truth. That's not mine. People can be, people will ultimately have to admit the fact that yes, there are some moral absolutes that don't change. There are things that are morally right, objectively right, and some things that are objectively wrong. That's what we mean by objective truth. Next, truth is attainable. Some may claim that truth exists, but might add that, well, but you really can't attain it. It's always beyond our grasp. Yes, it's out there, and so we pursue it, but we can never claim to have it. And so truth is not attainable. All right? Follow me here. Question. I'm going to give you a statement. You tell me whether or not that statement is true or false. Here's the statement. Truth is unattainable. Is that a true statement? <laughs> well, if the statement, truth is not attainable, if that's a statement of truth, then how did they attain it? You see? If they say you can't attain truth, you can never be absolutely certain about anything. Well, are you absolutely certain? Are you absolutely certain that you can't be absolutely certain about anything? You see how self-contradictory that whole concept is? You can never really know anything for certain. Do you know that for certain? If you say yes, then you've just contradicted yourself. If you say no, then upon what basis should I listen to anything you say? Folks, any statement or philosophy that involves self-contradiction cannot itself be truth. And the whole postmodernism philosophy is, is a treasure trove of self-contradiction. The Bible is clear about the attainability of truth. You shall know the truth. Jesus said, John 8, 32, can we know it or not? Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 36, that you may know assuredly that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Can you know assuredly or not? Peter said you could. I'll stay with him. Luke wrote, chapter 1, verse 4, to Theophilus, and he said, I've written these things to you that you may know the certainty of the things of which you've been instructed. Can we know if they're certain or not? Luke said we could. I'll stay with him. Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Paul said, put all things to the test and then hold fast the good things. Well, that means then in the process of our putting all things to the test, we can come to understand which ones are good and which ones are not. So good and not good must exist. Truth and error must exist because we are responsible for assessing what we hear and determining what's true and what's not, what's good and what's not, and then we have the further responsibility to embrace the good and reject the false. Doug read this morning from Proverbs 2. Verse 5 says, right after all that, if you will search for wisdom as silver, if you'll, if you'll uh, put forth the effort to find it, then you will find the knowledge of God. Can we find it or not? God says we can. I'll stay with God. Now, to say that one knows something does not imply that one believes he knows everything. 
But some people think that if you don't know something, then therefore you can't know anything. Neither of those is acceptable. Here's the truth about the truth. And it all comes down, you know, I could have saved you all a lot of time if I had just done this and sat down. Here's your multiple choice question. You get three choices. I can absolutely know, A, all things, B, no things, nothing, or C, some things. I don't know of a fourth choice. Those are, those are the only choices we have. I can absolutely know everything, nothing, or some things. Let's consider those. Number one, would anyone claim that they know all things? I wouldn't. You know, to, to claim to know all things would be to claim omniscience, that you're, that you're God. I don't know anybody that would, that would be willing to claim that. And the first person that does, um, you could very easily, uh, you know, prove them wrong by asking them a question that you know they don't know the answer to. Okay? So nobody's going to claim to know all things. All right, so we'll, we'll push that one aside. How about nothing? We're going to claim to know nothing? Now, that's what the postmodernists will try to say. But think about this. <clears throat> if I say to you, I know nothing, what have I just claimed? That I know something. And what have I just claimed that I know? That I don't know anything. You see how self-contradictory that is? So if we are to even try to make the claim, I know nothing. I've just claimed that I know something. Again, it's, 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 it's self-contradictory and any philosophy that involves self-contradiction is itself false because truth is consistent. So we gotta throw that one out. I don't know, I can't know everything. I certainly can't know nothing. It's like the fellow that walked into his philosophy professor's office and he says uh, he'd been studying all this philosophy stuff and postmodernism and all that and he walked into his professor and he says, I, I am so confused, do I exist? And the professor said, who wants to know? It's really that simple. So we throw out we know everything, we throw out we know nothing, what does that leave us with? We absolutely know some things. That's not arrogant. It's just a simple statement of fact. Truth is attainable. And then last, truth is indispensable. Peter said, you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth. 1 Peter 1.22 If the purification of the soul comes through obedience to truth, then I must be able and responsible to know some truth in order to obey that truth and have my sins cleansed. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternal life is rooted in knowing, knowing God and knowing Jesus. John 8, 32, The truth sets us free from sin. If I'm ever going to be set free from sin, then there is a certain body of truth that I have to know and properly respond to. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, God chose you to be saved 
through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. If we can't know and believe truth, we can't be saved. So how do people end up embracing such a strange doctrine, a strange idea? Well, I can't get into any individual's heart. And there may be a lot of different factors with each individual that may have embraced a postmodern viewpoint. But I can't help but think that 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10 has to come into play in some situations. Where Paul referenced those who refused to have a love for the truth. They received not a love of the truth. Some people just simply don't like truth. Truth can be a pesky little thing if you don't hold it in high regard. And so some people have found a lot of comfort in denying that it even exists. If you don't want to deal with truth, just deny that it exists and just live in your own happy little world. But it's a world of false comfort and it's a world ultimately of eternal destruction. The truth about the truth is that it is objective, it is attainable, and it is indispensable. And we can find that security that we need in God. There's a verse in one of the songs we sometimes sing, the song Abide With Me. I love the wording of one of those verses where the statement is made, Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. You want to have that foundation upon which you can build your life and that anchor that will hold you safe and secure in the storms of human existence. It's found in God and in His truth. Embrace it. Accept it. Obey it. If you're outside the body of Christ today, Embrace the truth that Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins. Hebrews 2 verse 9. Show your acceptance of that truth by your obedience to it. Turn from your sins in penitence. Confess your faith in Christ. Be immersed. To have your sins washed away by His blood. Christian, may we help you today to bring your life back into harmony with God's truth. You need to repent of some sin and pray God's forgiveness. If you do, we're here to help you to do that, to pray with you. Let us devote ourselves to the God of truth and live our lives as best we can in obedience to His truth. If you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand and sing together.